0: Hey guys, it's Shell, your Rolling MC, and this is Hitting the Streets Podcast Show. Welcome to Hitting the Streets Podcast Show. Hitting the Streets is a series of interviews giving you the insider's look at the small businesses entrepreneurs, nonprofit organizations, and events in the North Texas area. You can find all episodes of Hitting the Streets on Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, you can follow Hitting the Streets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. For more information about Hitting the Streets podcast, You can visit my website at www.HittingTheStreetsPodcast.com. And now, on with the show. Hey guys, this is Shell, your Rolling MC, and I am the mouth on the mic of Hitting The Streets Podcast Show. So today on the show, I have Sherman Community Players back, and we are going to talk about the play that i'm in permanent collection so really quick i want to introduce our director dara dunn hey shell thanks (laughs) for having me here and then i have one of the actors here Uh, it's my first time working with him he's my (laughs) paul his name is benjamin furr please introduce yourself
1: all right um thanks for having me on um and I'm just having a great time. I'm happy to be here.
0: Good, good. So what I want to do is kind of give people you know, your background. So, Dara, I'm going to have you start first. I know you, um, you've you talked about this before on the show, but just let's go ahead and do it again for the new listeners, the new audience. Tell us a little bit about your background. Well,
2: I am a local artist and uh, father of many children uh, and grandchildren. Mm-hmm. I've been in Sherman for many years. And I've been a part of Sherman community players for many years, mostly as an actor, many times as a designer and often as a director. (laughs) But now I am the managing artistic director at Sherman community players and theatrics. I'm in the middle of my first season uh, as in this new position. And I I couldn't be happier doing what I'm doing.
0: What was your first play?
2: The first play in my life,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, it, it it was probably some uh, it, it might have been in the second grade when I wrote and starred in a show about Abraham Lincoln. what? Yeah, I, I wrote a play and played Abraham Lincoln, and my cousin played John Wilkes Booth. <laughs>
0: That's so and awesome my little
2: girlfriend played uh, mrs lincoln and it, <laughs> it was three scenes and we performed it for the first grade mm. that's yeah. awesome <laughs> no that's
0: fine i guess for president's day or it oh, would have yeah, been sure. lincoln's birthday Some, but, yeah, yeah 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 that's awesome what about you ben so give us a little bit of your background and what was your first play
1: oh, well i've been um, in this area for a long time now um I've worked for Sherman for about 17 years mm. and then I moved into how and worked there, um, four kids myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've been doing stuff at Finley. Oh man. For first things I did, there was in 96. Oh, wow. Um, I was in the eighth grade. Uh, <laughs> Frank Steele was my theater teacher at the time. Frank,
0: Steele, Frank Steele. yes.
1: <laughs> and, uh, I've been in shows with him. Oh, have you? I love Frank. Yeah. But I was, um, his class, and he offered anybody that uh, would audition for To Kill a Mockingbird, they would get extra credit, and then they could right. even more extra credit if they got in the show. So I went down, had never been there before. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd been there before to see a show. I think my church went to see a special showing of um, Scrooge or mm. uh, mm-hmm. Christmas Carol. But so I auditioned, and I actually got the part of Jim. So you did, yeah. That's and awesome. I knew Ron. Cassidy uh yes, through my Ron. church forever mm-hmm. and uh, so after that I got the show I got st- I got stung you know I got I got yeah. the bug and I couldn't leave and I literally any free time I had I was at the theater really um probably drove Ron and uh Webster crazy <laughs> and now he's one of my board members oh yes. good good <laughs> but you know it's they good. they never told me to go away they never told me to leave him alone or anything mm-hmm. so I, they always gave me something to do yeah was working on sets this that and the other which is where the first time i met dara we were doing of mice and men in 96.
0: <gasps> y'all did a mice of men we did
2: i played george well what did you do on that production? i was light and sound you were
1: in the booth i was in the booth because yeah. i was too young to be anybody in the oh, show It gotcha. had you and it had uh tom bryson and um oh uh, he was a young actor and he was also a lawyer now or has a law practice um you know who i'm talking about i can't remember are you talking is. about jackie, van, jackie Zand? van zandt oh jackie yes, van yeah jackie van, van zandt. zandt played yeah
2: he,
0: was, uh, yeah. he yeah, played cool. curly, curly. Yeah. oh
1: yeah. that's that's a great cast y'all it was it was rounded yeah. out by some other that was a people. powerful show oh I, yeah. oh I bet it was
0: oh i bet it was um i did drama theater and speech in high school i was really good um at drama and theater <laughs> speech <laughs> I don't enjoy speech. I don't like, I, making I had, you know, public... my teacher,
2: I need a character to hide. Yeah. Behind.
0: So he, I had to do this speech. Oh my gosh. I can't remember all of it, but I had to stand up in front of student counselor and do this speech in a Okinawa dialect. Mm. Mm-hmm like a Hawaiian, you wanted me to say it with like an Asian descent um, accent accents dialect. Wow. And I had to do this speech. And i had to do it to get my grade so i had to stand up there he told me memorize as much as you can you can have your paper to look down but i need the dialect so i had to look up figure out how to get this done and say it in an okinawa fashion you know and i had to dress up in this little i had to do a lot my mom had to help me put this dress thing together it was it was really cool but to be that creative to get it done eighth grade we were asked, I can't remember all of them, but in eighth grade, they were asked us to read and do something in speech in eighth grade. And this was in Dillingham. And they said, do one of your favorite speeches that you feel like that you enjoy or that you like or, you know, made an impact on you or whatever. And I did Abraham Lincoln four scores and seven years ago. Oh, wow, the Gettysburg Address. With my hat, I memorized that whole Thing. Wow, that would be powerful to see you do that. I did that with my hat and a suit. My mom kept me with that. I did it so well, she made me do it in front of the whole thing. And
2: I was Will like, Will you do that during the intermission for our upcoming no, show? Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> no, but I think about those things. I don't remember. I think my first show with SCP was Miracle on 34th Street. My, I, I think my son was trying out. He didn't want to try it by himself. And I'm like, oh, God, okay, I'll do it with you. And then Ron cast the both of us. I'm like, I, I, I was supporting a kid, right? So we wound up doing that. But my shows that I really enjoyed was the was the Crucible. Now you talk about a powerful show that was, that that was, um, Helium last year or year before last. No, it was last year, wasn't it? I did that one. That one was really it, it touched home because I was a caregiver for a dementia um, patient, and so that touched home. And then um You Can't Take It With You was one of the best I shows love of it. that play. love that play. I, I that had play. the best time on the stage with everyone. Everybody was so great. So those are my fond memories. And then I think I've done a couple of things of assistant manager, stage manager, whatever. But Ron was the director for for all those. I worked with Ron. Oh, I'm sorry. I did forget one, Raising in the Sun. Raising in wow. the Sun was yeah. great. That was great, too. Yes. Um, David Linton did David Linton would have been in that. Yeah. He yeah. did an excellent hymn. And his wife Kami, um, Susie Virus. We had a great cast. And I
1: bet both of, I met both of them on uh, with To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh yes. He was Tom Robinson <gasps> and she was Caperna. Caperna, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. He
2: was also in that production of of Mice and Man that we mentioned. David earlier. Lindsay. David was That's in that. Awesome. Played, I can't remember the character's name, but uh yeah, he
1: played that character. I remember that now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was the the hired hand or something like that
2: he also was in a murder mystery that i did uh called the musical comedy murders of (laughs) 1943 or something i don't know yeah it's a farce yeah and what kind of a murder mystery farce yeah Yeah. and i was this uh like broadway composer or lyricist (laughs) or something and he was uh the cop who came to Uh, investigate this murder that had happened. And
0: yeah. it was funny.
2: It was funny working with him.
0: So, Ben, mm-hmm. I came to see the production Dracula. And uh, wasn't you Ryan Phil?
1: Renfield? Renfield, yes.
0: So how did you get that part? What did you do? Because you you did a absolutely fabulous job. I loved every bit of it. I, I, you, I was just like, this guy, who is Renfield? Because he's really being a Renfield. I could feel it. And you had a lot of things that you had to do on that part.
1: Yeah, there was – for a while at at Finley, I kind of had been the uh, – if there was a disgusting, horrible creature <laughs> or something. If you got that? Oh, my uh, that, that was what no, I went you, for oh, because really? I'm not exactly a leading man. But, Whatever. <laughs> okay, Paul. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I like playing characters that have really no redeeming quality mm. because it, it's like it's fun to be the bad guy. I like being a nice yeah. guy in real life, but I, I like being – horrible on on stage and Renfield though he's conflicted he was a very awful mm-hmm. creature but not of his own will he wasn't mm-hmm. awful on purpose so.
0: yeah right I know I, I first of all I I've been always waiting for Sherman community Sherman community players to push envelopes and I missed a couple of the ones in October I think they did a Frankenstein and I think there was another one that I missed so I was determined not to miss Dracula because it's one of my favorites The whole production was amazing. Like, even Brad enjoyed it. Brad's not a theater, so to speak. And he even enjoyed it. And then the one that I saw recently at the Honey McGee, the dinner. Oh, comedy of tenors! Comedy of tenors. That was great. That That was funny. That was fun and funny. funny. But Rocky Horror pushed the envelope. And Rocky Horror was the one to push the envelope. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was that was also a great production. So this show we're about to do is pushing a big envelope. And that's where we're gonna go. So this drama here is going to do the same thing, which I'm happy about. Those envelopes being pushed. So, Dara, let's talk about that. Let's talk about Permanent Collection. Um, What do you What do you think that this that this play is gonna to say to people. This
2: play is about being willing, more than anything, this play is about being willing to step back from your own point of view mm-hmm. and understand someone else's perspective. Mm-hmm. For the same situation you're do- dealing with, mm-hmm. someone else experiences that a completely different way. And, uh, th- that's because of differences in culture and lifestyle.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And in our play, it's because of racial tension and differences. Um, the play is called Permanent Collection. It's by Thomas Gibbons, mm-hmm. Philadelphia playwright. He wrote the show in 2003, and that's when it was first produced. It's mostly been produced as an educational piece. Mm. Uh, because it is a powerful very academic script mm-hmm. about genuine issues um we're only the second community theater that has ever attempted to produce that. this play mm. uh, it's 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 heavy material it's rich it's very rich it's rich it's very rich uh, so what do
0: you think about
2: um
0: the characters what do you think about Sterling. Let me, let me
2: tell you a little bit about the, let me, let me tell your audience a little okay. bit about the the story so that they'll have a sense as we move forward through this conversation. Permanent collection is about a eccentric and unusual museum with a amazing collection of impressionist art. Mm-hmm. It's been hanging that way for the last 50 years according to the wishes of its original founder. Mm -hmm. uh, The gallery has never been rehung. It can't be rehung. His artistic vision must be preserved. And there are people that work there Mm -hmm. who have spent their careers protecting the integrity of this man's vision and of how he wanted his art collection to be displayed to the public. Mm -hmm. But it is discovered in a will that control of the museum has been left to a historically black university uh, which appoints as the new administrator of this foundation uh, a businessman who's been on their board of directors, uh, a businessman named Sterling North, and Mm -hmm. he moves to the museum and becomes its administrator. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: Uh, He brings with him his... uh, professional assistant to uh, be there in this new role with him. Mm -hmm. And also working at the museum uh, is an educational director named Paul Barrow. That's who Ben plays. Um, Shell plays uh, the assistant who comes to the museum with Sterling North. That character's name is Kanika Weaver. Uh, An actress named Sandy Daniels plays Ella Franklin, the longtime assistant to the director who gets uh, moved around in her duties after Kanika arrives. Mm -hmm. Um, Sterling discovers in the vast collection that is not on display that there are numerous pieces of fabulous African art and this delights him, it thrills him, he has this opportunity to show these pieces to the world. He wants to make just a few changes Mm
0: -hmm. to
2: the museum, which unfortunately challenges the will. It challenges the integrity of the whole foundation. Um, A very public dispute occurs after a reporter gets involved and exposes the um, conflict, which should have stayed in house, Mm -hmm. but it becomes public. lawsuits are filed and the very existence of the museum is threatened. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And all the relationships are threatened. Mm -hmm. And the conflict um the conflict itself is because of the different perspectives perspectives. these people Mm -hmm. have about what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's deep and Mm -hmm. it's uh it's very honest. And it never really lands on one side or the other, particularly Mm-hmm. Um. so it validates all people mm-hmm. just as the art collection validates all people but the question is does it mm-hmm. is everybody represented equally so ultimately that's what the big question of this play is how much room does the white world give the black world mm-hmm. publicly yeah that's what this play's about. That's what Sherman community <clears throat> players
0: is telling a story about. I think that pushes the envelope. Oh, it does. Absolutely. When I first read the script, I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to tackle this, but at the same time, before this was even thought about, I've been tackling a lot of different issues. What I say tackling, standing up for a lot of issues that have been happening, um, like you said, representation, racially driven. You're already taking a voice for social justice mm-hmm. with what you do here. Mm-hmm. So, the first time I read it, I was like, <laughs> the second time, I had to put it down, and the second time I read it, I was like, I actually see both sides. You know, I I would be caught up in the, in the conflict because I see both sides. Kanika so so- sees both mm-hmm, sides, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, just so you guys know, I, when I tried out, I tried out for Ella. One, because I felt like, you know, she's a reasonable character. And I feel like that she could make an impact. I could feel like that's probably me trying to make an impact, you know, be within reason, trying to have a better understanding, make things work. Then I got recast as Kanika. And so I did some research on her, and she's a liberated woman, and she doesn't see, I would say, color per se or race. Um, and she is caught up in this middle in this conflict with these two gentlemen, Sterling and Paul, not understanding why they're even having these discussions, you know, But but being Mr. North's assistant, she really understands where he's coming from. Paul, I think she has a likeness too, and she's really wanting to learn more and I feel like she wanting things wanted things to grow with Paul so she can have a better understanding about this permanent collection. Do you know what I mean? I do. So I think when and not to give too much because you guys need to come and see the show, but I think when the conflict arise, it just hurt everybody. it just it just hurt everybody. And so all of it, in my opinion, the way I see it was not abiding by Dr. Morris's will at all because of the conflict. You know what I mean? I do. And the question is, it's that this question is
2: discussed. Is this about race? Is it about about art? Is is it about the integrity of this man's vision? Right. Because it involves challenging a will. There Mm -hmm. are legal issues Mm -hmm. to overcome. Um, so it's about
0: ethics, yeah, but it's also about but morals. It, it is, and everybody lost because of the because no one could come to an agreement. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I almost called you Paul, <laughs> Ben. <laughs> what do you think about Paul, the character in this play? Tell us about tell us who more about who Paul Barrow mm-hmm. is in in the story.
1: Paul's a younger, well, not quite middle aged, uh, lonely man. He doesn't have a whole lot going outside. He's dedicated his whole life to the museum and to what he was taught by the original owner, Dr. Morris. He kind of looks up at him as maybe a father figure. Mm. Um, And, you know, Paul, like I said, his outside life is basically he lives at the museum, the foundation, and then he goes home and he'd rather be at the foundation than be at home. Um, We all know people like that, Mm -hmm. you know. so I think he's he's willing, more than willing, to open up to people, which is why he has such a great beginnings of a relationship with Kanika. Mm-hmm. And um,
0: but do you think that Paul has a a little bit of resentment, or maybe a little more than a little resentment with Sterling because Paul worked hard. In making sure that this gallery, this permanent collection was taken care of just as much as Ella did. And then here comes Sterling to come along and be the director when, really, in actuality, it could, it, yeah, I think it should have been you because you've been there long enough working it. Don't you think there's resentment there? I, see, so here's my problem. Here's my conflict with the story. I think Paul has resentment, but I don't really think it's about race in that regard i think he's resenting that the fact that he was overlooked for a position he was dedicated to dr moore still dedicated to dr moore's in his will still and you have this man that came to take over and trying to change things to have representation of the african
1: pieces Mm -hmm. there's no doubt in my mind he feels resentment to a degree but again, it doesn't spell over into the art world. I think, and mm. to, to race, I think he's first. He's be, just definitely, you know, for the art. That's why that's his whole life is the art. Mm-hmm. And to get passed over for that position, yeah, he's bitter about it. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to affect how he works ah, at first. Yes. But then things that come along. Mm-hmm. For me, this this. In other parts of my life, I have been Paul, you know, he, he speaks to me on so many levels mm. and this reading through this show, doing rehearsals and everything. A lot of things have made me stop and think and go back over things in my head. And And two things that have come out for me in this are two words, fear and visibility. And the lack of visibility creates fear. And I think that is something we've all dealt with since we were, since day one, Mm -hmm. the lack of visibility Mm -hmm. of things creates fear Mm -hmm. of things. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it's a vicious cycle that we need to get out of.
0: I agree to that. I see that too, as well. I think Sterling truly wants to do the right thing. And I truly wants the visibility for those African pieces. But I also think he hmm. This is going to come across so wrong. <laughs> Isn't it funny? So, we, it's going to come across wrong. I think he's playing that race card. That's my opinion on that. Um, and I'm going to say because he's had to deal with it all his life, the shit that he had to go through to mm-hmm. get to where he's getting because now he's in a position to right to make the to, choices, make, it, to make the choice to choices. make the decisions but, but I'm not going to disregard what he's saying about those pieces being where they are because why were they there and here's another thing that I think we don't look at or maybe we do we just haven't had a discussion about it Dr. Morris died of a car accident that was a that wasn't planned that was all of a sudden something happened. How did we not know that that would have changed if he would have lived on? He that Those African pieces could have been showcased at one point, but he got killed all of a sudden. So we mm-hmm. really don't know if that would have happened or not. I think that's kind of where Sterling was. So just go ahead and make the change, because how do you know that he wasn't going to change this anyways? He had them there for a reason, right? Yeah.
2: So, so in that way, it's about... Um progress mm-hmm. versus uh preservation, of <laughs> preservation. the original mm-hmm. the original intention mm-hmm. or it, it, some people are more willing to change than other people true. and many people work very 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 hard to keep change from taking place
1: well there's, there's <laughs> another true. question when when we've talked about this before but when somebody dies How long are their last wishes supposed to be held? That's a good one. Somebody's been dead for five years. Was that different than somebody that's been dead for fifty years? Mm -hmm. Does it matter? That was Mm -hmm. their last request. In in the case of that's 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 a legal
2: point. Yes. It's a legal point. It's and
0: um and 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 he had that place that Dara just said it for fifty years. mm -hmm. Why are we not changing? But 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 Dara isn't that the mindset for some? Why do we need to change? We've been doing it like this for 50 years. Oh,
2: exactly. Exactly. That divides people on all all levels of life, all, all levels. levels. Mm-hmm. Um any sort of uh minority progress or not not just uh, black white issue, but any sort of mm-hmm. social mm-hmm. progress? Mm-hmm. Um, do you There's f- always a group that wants it And a group that doesn't mm-hmm. want it
0: mm-hmm. And um, Do you think Sterling Either one of you guys can answer this Or both Do you guys think that Sterling has Walks around with a chip on his shoulder Absolutely mm-hmm. I do too mm-hmm. The script does not
2: present him as uh, mm-hmm. a real hero mm-hmm. It doesn't present mm-hmm. Paul mm-hmm. They say horrible things mm-hmm. to each other mm-hmm. At the same time mm-hmm. We we see both of them as very authentic people mm-hmm. who love what they're doing, mm-hmm. and they have they're driven by their own mm-hmm. best mm-hmm. judgment and best mm-hmm. um, intention.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And the playwright lets us see these people as very dimensional, but it, mm-hmm. they're sort of anti heroes. I,
0: yes, I would agree with you on that. They're both mm-hmm. very yes. bullheaded mm-hmm.
2: and uh, flawed people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thinking- we get to see the vulnerable parts of them. We see what's driving them, what they love, and what they want. So we understand why yeah. they make the choices they make
1: mm-hmm. i think paul has just about as big a chip on his shoulder in a different way only as far as his ego is concerned because i think he derives his ego from dr morris's ego
2: i think he kind of carries the torch i
1: think he carries that torch I agree. And, i'm with you on that and especially
2: especially the ability to articulate Dr. Morris's vision to the people who come to the museum. Paul is the intellectual history there. Yeah. He understands and interprets Dr. Morris's original ideas about mm-hmm. the art.
1: And mm-hmm. and he's to a degree to Paul. He's the only thing, only thing keeping Dr. Morris alive. Mm-hmm. If something it's... changes, Dr. Morris's whole vision, he's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And then he will, he won't, his, his aura won't even be here anymore.
2: Speaking so, of Dr. Morris how do you both feel about the presence of an actor in that role of this dead guy whose spirit
0: somehow is still so present in the museum so before we answer that we're gonna have to take a break because believe it or not we're at 29 minutes okay yeah so we'll answer that when we come back ask that question one more time before i wrap this up how do we
2: feel the character of dr morris is present on stage mm-hmm. during much of the play however he's not a ghost mm-hmm. and no one interacts with him but he's
0: part of the story all right we'll come right back we're going to take a short break we'll be right, we'll be right back sherman community players will bring a deep and thought provoking trauma permanent collection by Thomas Gibbons to the Finley Theater stage beginning February the 3rd tickets are on sale now and you can reserve your seat by calling the box office at 903 892 or you can visit their website at www.scptheater.org all right Let's get back to the show. Okay, guys, we're back. And so Dara left us with this question for all for us. Um, Dr. Morris is on stage um a lot because he's there with us listening to all the conversations that right, we're having. Right. So I don't know what to think about that. About well, his parts presence. of it are
2: written as flashbacks. I yeah, think sure. we're seeing yeah. moments of his life, um, re, uh, revisited uh, mm-hmm. as the history of the foundation. Right. Other times, though, he seems present and maybe making a comment on what's happening now. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which he's not a ghost, but he's a presence in mm-hmm. the same way. His influence is everywhere. Yeah.
1: He kind of relieves some tension at points
2: it, the, the actor a, we have playing yes. him is pretty brilliant oh yes
0: uh, Michael's great oh yeah. my God he's fantastic you you I feel like he's him I mean I feel like he's dr Morris I think that would be task Dr Morris would be the way he speaks so eloquently and the things that he's saying. I like he fits his and it's part. just kind
2: of viciously mean. Yeah, and that too. Uh-huh. And it's charming mm-hmm. at yeah. the same time. He, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very intriguing mm-hmm. character.
0: Do you, do you feel like this play is going to reach audiences on where we are today with racism and representation? And- I think people who see this play will
2: zero in on its themes mm-hmm. and its intentions and be challenged to at least follow this place lead and look both directions, look all around you, see the world in the round. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that's what uh, Paul says, that Dr. Morris thought you could learn to see the world in the Through round. Through a lifetime
1: of looking, we can learn to see the world in the round. Mm-hmm. In the round. I hope that from anyone that comes to the show, I'd like to hope that we would have an uh, ridiculous amounts of people stop and think throughout the show, well, you know, Sterling's right. Why not? Or Paul, wait a minute, Paul's making a point here. And then Kanika, Mm -hmm. absolutely making a point. And then if, if, you know, they say if if only one person at the end of the day is listening and they Mm. get something from it, Mm -hmm. I'd like a whole lot more, but I think that there's going to be a lot of people that come to the shows. And then when they're leaving on the way home in the car, they're like, this works for me. Mm-hmm. And I can see this in other parts of my life and other mm-hmm. parts of the world. And if everybody could just mm-hmm. sit down and hash things out, maybe shut up a little bit and listen to the other point of view. Mm-hmm. Or, everybody would. I would, mm-hmm. I would like to think
2: yeah. that after this show, every night after our performances there are conversations like oh, this yes. happening oh yeah because i think this oh, yeah. play is going to make people think yeah we're talking about things that we don't usually give voice to
0: well because it's a tough conversation i mean you have to look at it in all different perspective it's hard to talk about racism it's a very touchy subject it's hard to talk about representation it's Especially a touchy subject. Here. yes it really is it's a tough thing to talk about um Darryl, you brought something up while we were off, Mike. And I, I, I want to bring this up before we get thick into time. The media had a lot to do with this. Don't you think the reporter had a lot to do with yeah, this? Yeah, a
2: reporter named Jillian Crane gets involved. She's really there to interview Sterling in, as the new administrator and uh, doing follow-up stories with him. Um, and then she talks to Paul mm-hmm. and she gets... Uh, information from him about this internal conflict. And she goes forward with this story as a public interest piece. Um, but she is sort of the catalyst to the very mm-hmm. public legal battle that mm-hmm. ensues. Uh, there ends up, there ends up being a uh, libel suit
0: mm-hmm.
2: Um mm-hmm as well as a uh, uh, challenge to the will. So there are several legal battles that ensue after people start talking about racism and mm-hmm. discrimination mm-hmm. and very inflammatory
0: uh, catchphrases mm-hmm. that the media puts out. And doesn't uh, the media always do that? Is it? I think the media does a lot of that, push a lot of those things out for ratings, to trigger people, to separate us.
1: I, I, I think... think the, from the, the story standpoint, I think Jillian came out with her original story mm-hmm. that she wanted to do. Maybe she didn't really feel like interviewing the new guy at the, the museum, mm-hmm. but it's an interest story, so she goes. And then what happens? She gets more information, and then she sees me, mm-hmm. and then she gets an actual story. Mm-hmm. right? So from there with uh she runs with it because maybe she you know she's I think, ambitious yeah yeah professionally, but she's, she's also amb- stirring think, the pot <laughs> i think personally i think she at the beginning falls in line with sterling about mm-hmm. where's why not why not yeah and then with what happens to paul i think she comes back and she kind of maybe from a uh her conscience speaks to her a bit uh, what happened here is not right the way it went down uh, there's another point here i'm gonna try to get that mm-hmm. and then she works both sides of the aisle
0: yes very true she's stirring Which, that pot yeah
1: so she's gonna she kind of has it tried to have it both ways
0: mm-hmm. I, try yeah, to I fix see that.
1: whether she whether she feels like she needs to fix what she created created i don't know but i think she Yeah, she's playing both sides of that field So
0: what do you think about Ella? Isn't she the voice of reason? Don't you think?
2: I think Ella is dedicated She's loyal She's a long time Supporter Of the Morris Foundation Mm -hmm. And it falls in her lap To continue uh, The tradition And to carry on
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Just like Paul I don't know if Ella would attempt to make those changes. Again, just because she's black, the playwright doesn't, doesn't uh, stereotype her not as at all. any sort of... Mm-hmm uh socially minded Mm -hmm. liberal Mm -hmm. there's nothing no there's no stereotype Mm -mm. about what her politics might or might not be Mm -mm. not at all um Hmm. i don't think it particularly presents sterling north as a big liberal he's a wealthy businessman Mm -hmm. for one thing um certainly he has certainly he conveys to the audience What it feels like to be a black professional who still deals with Mm -hmm. the racial injustices of Mm -hmm. uh, being mistreated by the police. I
0: I like what Kanika said when she talks about, you know, being done with the racial shit. She thought by getting a good education and landing a good job and wearing these type of clothes that they would not be so terrified of us. And, and I, that, that stays with me. Dead.
2: Well, you know, one of the, so. one of the themes that runs through the script is the idea that we're all following we're, uh, a yeah. script
0: yeah. in life. And follow- there's
2: a script to be followed <laughs> yeah. in this and, situation. Yep, yep. Uh, uh, Sterling says yes. that when he's talking about how do you, how does a black man deal with the cops when yep. he gets pulled over? There's a, there's script. a script. There's a to script. Follow. There
0: is. Um,
2: he talks about that with how do you deal with the public after yes. some accusation has been made? Uh, right. It's a step-by-step script. So, you apologize. You read, mm-hmm. you know, yep. you it's spin true. it. Yeah. Well, and sp- it's true. You,
0: you were ta- I mean, that's why I, had, and I were, Are I we all
1: taught.
2: trapped in a script
1: that we we're think all, we're supposed what we to learned. be doing? That's we're, what we learned from, growing
0: up though. That's what I one, learned.
1: We are, like I said, fear. We are taught mm. to be afraid of each other. White people are taught or not taught, taught, but through society itself, we're led to believe that we're supposed to be afraid of each other for mm-hmm. one reason or another.
0: And you can say that, Paul, it's it's free. It's fair to say there's some white people that are taught to fear yes. black people. Yes. That is a, that is that is fair to say, because that is taught. Um, we're it, taught it's at least learned. Yes. And we're taught to be aware of those white people. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering about sterling is mm-hmm. he simply
2: following a script when mm-hmm. he comes into this museum and mm-hmm. sees what he sees he talks about my grandfather marched oh, with okay. dr King. yes he did uh he talks about having experienced the civil rights movement mm-hmm. as a child
1: um his wife teaches His wife teaches civil law. Teaches civil law. Teaches civil yeah, law. I know. So
2: when he comes into this museum and sees the imbalance of representation, is he simply following his own script to raise his fist and say, this is not okay. We mm-hmm. have to change this. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he feels
1: compelled to do. Yeah,
2: We all... Make choices based on what our own conscience drives us. Absolutely, to do. absolutely. And I mean, does yes. does
1: he kind of have this this overwhelming feeling of, you know, Grandpa did this, Dad did this. This is my chance to he's, leave my he's mark. He's
0: following a script and he's following a script.
2: But until we all put that script down and just listen mm-hmm. and respond. Mm-hmm and that's what i tell you as actors this is not real this is not authentic until the script is out of your hand and you're listening and responding with genuine
0: feeling i I wish that was stated throughout the united states right now let go of the script and just listen to each other because that's what we really need
2: yeah
0: yeah things tend to fall on
2: one side or another or another big tall fans in is. this country.
0: And if you look at this, at the show, it's, it's the same perspective. And, and they, and then here we have this division and then we have a lawsuit. And then we've got this protest. Think about that. And then the whole gallery shut down. So none of us followed through with what Morris's will was. We, we lost because two people couldn't have a conversation without calling each other out, so to speak, you know, and I lost my job, Paul. <laughs> I mean, yeah, can they, can they uh, I mean, think think, just think about everything that happened, like a domino effect, right? Well, lives are ruined yeah. over this conflict of
2: interest. Yes. And that's really what it is. It's a power struggle, mm-hmm. but it's, it's driven by personal desires and Mm. good intentions, Mm. but things are said and things sometimes can't be taken back, especially after Mm. they're published. Mm. Mm. So, Mm. I I mean, that's, Mm. we've seen lots of public people brought down
0: Mm. by the
2: stupid things they managed to say that revealed something about them that other people were able to misinterpret
0: or- Yes, absolutely. Take the- uh, take the wrong way the media gives us i'm being vulnerable right now saying the stuff that i'm seeing and i know i'm probably going to get a backlash from it but that is who i am it's just me being truthful you know that's just how i see the world it's how i see things
1: paul and sterling throughout the show go at each other Mm -hmm. and sometimes it almost becomes physical Mm -hmm. because of the things they say to each other Mm -hmm. Or the things they've done to each other. And each of them I think is playing on that to a degree, hoping that the other one will do something that they can't physically take
0: back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Almost trying to provoke a, a physical altercation mm-hmm. with the other.
2: Yeah. I've staged yeah. a couple of scenes that way intentionally mm-hmm. to, so that this feels threatening mm-hmm. the way these people are acting. Mm-hmm. But there
1: there are there are several moments where as Paul, if I said or did some of the things to certain people I know, he would have been left on the floor. (laughs) 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 And the same thing with Sterling. I know a lot of people would not have put up with things that he did or said Mm -hmm. to them. Mm -hmm.
2: I think think that the characters in this play are all professional people Mm -hmm. interacting as colleagues. Mm -hmm. And so, the things they do and say to each other are so guarded mm-hmm. and sculpted
1: mm-hmm. in a
2: way. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, I think people are really going to feel what these characters are going through.
1: No doubt. I, I think they're going to feel for everybody at mm-hmm. one point. Absolutely. Or yes. Mm-hmm. I think we all end yeah. up going,
2: oh my God, that's yeah. me. <laughs> <Yes. Yeah>. Oh, <laughs> I am a racist. I,
0: Ooh, I am a Kanika. Or, or Ooh, I'm a, I am a Paul. That's how I would do it. I Paul along with you.
1: And, and everyone has kind of a moment where they say things that we've all heard people say that whenever they're either claiming they're not racist or mm-hmm. they're not this, they're not that. But there's there again, there's a script <laughs> for people to say whenever they've done something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to try to take it back or Mm -hmm. I what you're misinterpreting what I said you're Mm -hmm. anyone who knows me knows I'm not I was
2: misquoted everything I was
1: misquoted
2: (laughs) no comment no comment yes no comment which has its own spin and yeah puts a stop to something
0: or Um, or even no comment can be misinterpreted something else oh so you just don't want to talk about it because mm-hmm. you know i mean it can because mm-hmm. you don't want to make a statement it's hard you know and that, that's everything about this play is going to stir up something in somebody's spirit you know what i mean it's, i hope it is. there are a million
2: conversations just like oh, yeah. this. i mean obviously there's a lot to talk about in yeah. this script it's there's depth to it we got to make sure people know how to get tickets
0: yes please go ahead and tell us right now
2: because we have like three minutes Okay. <laughs> the easiest way to get tickets to Permanent Collection, which opens February 3rd and runs the first three weekends in February. We play Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights after we open on a Friday. Then we do a Sunday matinee at for two o'clock performance. The evening performances will be at 7:30. But it's best to have a reservation. Mm-hmm. You can go online to our website, Sherman Community Players. Uh there's a link right there if you google that you get a link to our website it's easy to buy tickets it's easy to pull up uh, the seating chart you can see what seats are available where you'd like to sit Uh, and you can pay for your tickets right there online or if you'd rather call 892-8818 that's 903 area code uh you'll talk to us personally and we'll get you set up with uh reservations um I do hope people will come see this show.
0: Yeah, I do too.
2: We need people in the seats before we have a million of these kinds of conversations. <laughs> and that's true. The Sherman Community Players is really, really working to diversify our talent mm-hmm. pool as well as our audiences. And I I really hope that this show is the first step mm-hmm. toward that conversation. Yeah. Um, it's been Many years, really, since we had much of a black presence uh, at our theater, and maybe that's because of shows that we've chosen not to do mm-hmm. because we don't want to uh, we don't want to promote stereotypes and mm-hmm. plays with uh, black people who have to play the slaves or the servants because mm-hmm. those characters are there. I don't want to tell those stories anymore. So I'm not going to ask people to mm-hmm. come work with me and mm-hmm. tell those stories. Mm-hmm. Um, my hope is that we can just look at people of
0: mm.
2: all colors mm-hmm. and shapes and sizes and genders and go read for the role you want. That's right. And convince me that that's who should play that part. Absolutely. Um, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, I hope we get there. mm mm-hmm. Uh, Like our last production of White Christmas Where the mm -hmm. lead uh, The uh, Rosemary Clooney role Was a
0: woman of Mm -hmm. color in our
2: fabulous production Mm -hmm.
0: She was tremendous Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's the first step in the right direction You know what I'm saying And I think what you guys have done so far is great And you you really have pushed the envelope And just keep pushing it It's it's much needed here Don't stop Just keep going Our
2: upcoming production of uh, our summer musical will be the full Monty, which is going to be a delightful show for Yay! many reasons, <laughs> but there's no reason the characters in that show have to be white or black. I yeah. think there's one character that is black.
1: Yeah. Just because that's
2: who he yeah. is. But, who he is. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm hoping that over time, uh, black actors feel completely comfortable coming in and auditioning yes. for any role they would yeah. like to play. Uh, Cause those are the actors I want to work with. People yeah. that are just who they are. Right.
0: Ben, anything you'd like to say? Any final words, thoughts?
1: I'm having a great time doing this show. And I hope everybody out there would come see it. Sell a lot of tickets. Start a lot of conversations. Yeah.
0: All right, guys. Well, that's it for the roundtable with Sherman Community Players. Thank you, Darren, for being thank on the show. show. So ben, thank, thank you, so much. Ben, thank you. <laughs> I will see you guys. On the stage. <laughs> well, rehearsal tomorrow night. Tomorrow yes, night. sir. <laughs> That's it for me. You're Rolling MC. Catch another episode on Hitting the street.